0: Up to this point in the book of Genesis, seems like everything is going well. Everything is good. If, if you've been following the readings every day, that it begins with God's creation. that God, you know, creates everything, the universe, the stars, the moon, the sun, the earth, the waters, the clouds the creeping things, the birds, the animals in the sea, the animals in the land. And then the apex of God's creation is creating man and woman, his image and likeness. And then he plants man and woman in this beautiful garden. There's all kinds of fruit trees. I always wonder what kind of fruit were they eating? Must've been great. And they were, they were probably vegetarians at that time. That's why some people go vegetarian or vegan. That's okay and so they're eating all these fruit trees the smell must have been great if you've ever been like in an orange orchard it is or a citrus orchard it's, it's the most f- beautiful fragrance that you could ever smell I was down in Florida one time and I went to an orchard just to pick all different kinds of citrus fruit and it was amazing the smell was amazing and up to this point it seems like everything is fine and dandy so And uh, I'm not going to get this answer, but I have a question to God. God, why did you create a tree with fruit on it that was forbidden to eat? Think about that. God created a tree with fruit on it, but Adam and Eve were forbidden to eat that tree. Why even create the tree? Why create a tree that is forbidden to eat? Because that tree is just going to probably tempt Adam and Eve. I don't know why. It's, it's, it's a great mystery. You ever think of that? That like God creates all these trees, but then there's one tree that they can't eat. Why even create the tree? If you don't want Adam and Eve to eat from that tree, why even create that tree? I know I won't get that an answer, you know, unless I hear thunder and the, you know, and, and God humbling me for even asking that question. But I just wonder... Why even create a tree that's forbidden, unless if God wanted to test Adam and Eve's obedience or something like that? And then it seems like everything is going well until the serpent comes. And the serpent ruins everything. And sometimes in our life, it seems like everything is going well until that serpent comes. And he messes with your life. He messes with your relationships and your family and society and just does destruction to human relationships. And and that's where sin enters the world. And that's the problem with the world. The problem with the world is sin. My sin, your sin, it's all of our sins. That's the problem with the world today. And so... It's, it's a very kind of strange story here in Genesis. It says the serpent was the most cunning of all the animals that the Lord God had made. Now, our image of the serpent right now is the serpent is, you know, like our image of snakes or serpents, that they're long and they have their belly on the ground. But actually... This is not the way the serpent was created. That was after the fall. That was the punishment for the serpent that God removed the serpent's legs so that it could crawl on the ground. I mean, it could could slide on the ground. So what was the serpent like? Serpent had feet, uh, had legs. And I think uh, this is coming from Professor Scott Hahn where he takes the a biblical word for serpent, and then compares it with the book of Revelation, where they call the serpent the dragon. And I think that the serpent, our image of the serpent here, is actually not a serpent that we picture it, but was a dragon, was a dragon. This is why Professor Scott Hunt says, that's why Adam was afraid. That's why Adam did not defend his wife, because he saw a dragon. Now, and we could all picture a dragon. A dragon is much more intimidating than a serpent. A serpent has its head on the ground. A dragon has its head up in the air. That's a similar pride. And that's why God humbled the serpent after the fall. And what's very strange also, is that the serpent or the dragon can speak. What was the last time that you ever heard an animal speak? Think about that. Could animals speak before the fall? Or was it just Satan possessing this animal and made the animal speak? Or did Adam and Eve, with their preternatural gifts, Could they understand the animal's speech? We don't know. These are all speculative questions that I won't have answered in this life, but I will have a lot of questions questions after this life. And probably they'll all be answered at once, and then I won't care after that because we'll be in glory on these questions. But you ever think of that? The animal speaks. I've never heard an animal speak, except my dog, you know, barking, but I can't understand his barks. Do think of that. So, if you want to say maybe this was Satan, the fallen angel, who possessed an animal, because we do know that animals can be possessed, and he's speaking through the serpent or this dragon, and he first tempts the woman, Eve. He first goes after the woman, maybe because he knows Eve can have more influence on Adam then. And the first thing that the serpent, the first person that the serpent goes against is not actually Eve. He goes against God. So his first word is, did God, see that? He's already contending himself against God, against God's command not to eat, from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It wasn't the tree of life. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so immediately he questions God's commandment. Did God really, hear that word really, tell you not to eat from any of the trees in the garden? So it's a question that he puts to Eve. What does this question do in Eve's mind? It sows doubt, doubt. So the first thing, the first temptation of the serpent against Eve and against every one of us is always against God, always against what God says, God's laws, and it's always to sow doubt in our mind. Did God really tell you not to eat from any of the trees? You hear how it's phrased? And it's there to sow doubt instead of faith. The opposite of doubt is faith. That's why faith is a foundation for all the virtues. And then the woman, she does the worst thing that you could do when there's doubt, is she has a conversation with the serpent, with the devil. Never converse with the devil, because he's smarter than us. He's more clever. He's more cunning. And so she enters into a dialogue with the serpent instead of turning away from him and turning toward God. And she says, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. It is only about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, you shall not eat it or even touch it, lest you die. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then the serpent lies to the woman. So after the serpent sows down, he always then sows a lie. Satan always sows a lie. He's the father of lies. That's what Jesus calls him. And he says, you certainly will not die. What did God say? God said, you will die. And now Satan is contradicting God's words. You will, you certainly will not die. And he says, no. And again, his contention against God, God, knows well that the moment you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like gods who know what is good and what is evil. Hear that? You will be like little gods, that temptation for wisdom, for knowledge, to be like God, to have all power, to have all omniscience, to know things, to know both good and evil. And and then the woman, after listening to the lies of the serpent, probably the serpent or the dragon, he probably looked at the tree. And Eve was looking at him, and then Eve looked at the tree. And sin always begins with this look at something good, something that appears good always begins with, with a look in the wrong direction, a look at sin, a little peek. And then she sees that the tree was good for food, was pleasing to her eyes, and was desirable for gaining wisdom or knowledge. So that's, that's pride. And what does she do after she looks? And when we sin, we look. And then what we do, we grab for it. And so she grabs for the fruit and she eats it and then she probably grabs another fruit and she gives it to Adam and he eats it too. And Adam at that point could have said, nope, we're not supposed to eat from this tree. But there was something in the influence of his wife that persuaded him to eat. Women have a great influence in life. They have a great influence over men in life. That's probably why the women are the nurturers, are the ones who pass on the faith. And then the eyes of both of them are open and they realize that they were naked. So whenever we sin, we realize our nakedness. We realize our shame and they felt shame. And so they followed sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. And then it says, when they heard the sound of the Lord God moving about in the garden at the breezy time of the day, the man and his wife hid themselves from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. When we sin, we feel ashamed and we hide from God when we sin. We don't want to face God because we don't want to face our sins because we know we've done something wrong and then we, we hide from the Lord because we're ashamed that we sin that we transgressed a commandment and we and we feel that shame when God comes by it's probably one of the reasons why people don't go to church because they feel shame they feel ashamed to face God they feel ashamed to go into church they feel like I'm not worthy look at my life look at all the sins I have done How can I go into church? Or as I heard from someone, you know, if I go into church with all my sins, the walls are going to cave in. I've heard that expression from people. And most of all, what we fear from God is we fear punishment. We fear justice. And maybe that's why we have a lot of people come into this National Shrine of Divine Mercy, because when they come in, they don't see justice Rather, they see the image of divine mercy. They see Jesus taking our sins, our misery upon himself and giving us new life through his precious blood, through his cross, through his redemption. He took on the sin of Adam and Eve and he takes on our sins and he gives us new life. He gives us encouragement. He gives us mercy that we need. But it's when we think that we cannot receive mercy, that's when we hide ourselves. That's when we hide ourselves. Whereas later on, what you're going to hear tomorrow is some people, they hide themselves, and then they start blaming others for their sins. That's your fault. You ever hear that? I hear it all the time. It's your fault that my life is miserable. See, and not accepting our own sins. It's my fault. My fault, my fault, my most grievous fault. That's what we pray in the penitential, right? And we beat our breasts three times. We were saying, it's my fault. I'm the one who sinned, not you. You're not the problem. I'm the problem. And that's humility. And as soon as we're humble, we admit our sins and we confess our sins. And the father of mercies is ready to give us mercy. So everything... Was good up to this point in the book of Genesis. Everything was good. And God saw it. He saw that it was good. It seemed like human relationships were great. They were in the garden. And then the serpent he sticks his tail in there and ruins everything by having them take from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I think today, this is my own speculation of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, I think is the internet today, is the internet. There's good on the internet, and there's evil on the internet. And it's kind of like that tree that is there for good, that we can take from it, but there's also evil that we can be tempted from the internet, exactly what some of you are watching today. So I'm not going to say the internet's all bad, I'm not going to say it's all good, but I'm going to say it's a mixture. It gives us access to the knowledge of good and evil. And I just wonder you know, in our day in society, having this access to good and evil, is it bringing us back to the garden, the Garden of Eden? It's my own speculation, and you could take it or meditate on it, but the internet certainly is influential in our lives today. For us not to acknowledge it It would be like, you know, you're living on, you know, some island or something, you know, without any access to anything. The internet is out there. It's a part of our culture. It's a part of our society. You see people with their phones all the time. And it's like we have that tree of knowledge of good and evil right in our hands every single day. And that's why we have to be very prudent, Utilize the technological instrument for what it is. But is it, is it good? Is it not? I don't know. I don't know. Some days I say, I wish it was never invented. On some days, that, that's my own. Some days I say, I wish it was never, I wish we could go back to the kind of stone age before technological advancement, but we can't. And so, how do we deal with it? We have to ask for God's grace, God's virtue, to help us with this technological advancement. And so, let us pray for God's mercy today. It's a sad story in the book of Genesis, because it speaks of sin. Many of us can relate to it. We can't just blame Adam and Eve. Many of us can relate to this to being tempted to Taking things, pleasurable to our eyes, good for wisdom that we shouldn't do, transgressing God's commandment, feeling ashamed, hiding ourselves, maybe blaming others. It's a sad story, but it's a story that we need to hear about sin. But the other story that we also need to always hear is the gospel, is redemption, mercy is always there. So we never need to despair, even if we have sin, even if we have committed all the sins in the world. And even if you think that walls are going to cave down if I go into the church, that mercy is there if you're willing to accept it, if you're willing to humble yourselves, have a contrary heart and say, oh Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Mercy is always there for us. Let us call upon the divine mercy to help us, to lift us up out of our misery, and to give us new and everlasting life.
1: Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.com